Early voting is underway for the midterm elections, and every race matters. From the governor to the U.S. Senate, the legislature, and on down to school boards. The gaggle and the Arizona Republic's political team are connecting with candidates, so you can hear them make their case to voters in their own words. This is part of a special series of bonus episodes of The Gaggle throughout the voting period. I'm Kaylee Monahan, one of the producers for The Gaggle. In this bonus episode, we'll hear from the two candidates running for the Superintendent of Public Instruction, the state's top education boss. Incumbent and Democrat Kathy Hoffman is facing Tom Horn, a Republican, a former Attorney General, and the former superintendent from 2003 to 2011, where he served two terms. You will also hear from Yana Kunichov, our K-12 reporter, who spoke with each candidate. You will first hear Yana ask the questions to the candidates, with Kathy Hoffman answering first, followed by Tom Horn. Arizona does not fund full-day kindergarten, even as educational experts say that it's crucial to the long-term development of children. What's your position on full-day kindergarten? How will you take the lead on this issue? I think full-day kindergarten is essential. And I'll take it a step further that our state also does not fund preschool programs either, unless they're special education preschool. And so I think these are critical programs that it's not just what the science says about all the benefits of kids who participate in preschool and full-day kindergarten programs. It's also what our families are asking for. When I've traveled the state, I was recently just in San Luis, Arizona, and they in the Gadsden School District, they had a full, robust preschool program, but they still have a wait list of over 100 kids. So parents are asking for these types of programs, especially for working families, that they want a safe, um, positive learning environment for their for their young kids. I think this is critical, but I, and then also adding on the fact that I'm a new mom, my daughter will be starting preschool in just a few short years. So this issue, I also have a lot of urgency around this issue and knowing the importance of having uh, programs for, for our youngest learners. I not only favor full day kindergarten, but I acted in that respect. When I was superintendent, Jen Napolitano was governor. I was a Republican, she was a Democrat. She made a proposal for to fund full-day kindergarten. I went down with her to the legislature and testified with her and made it a bipartisan proposal by adding my Republican voice to the proposal, and it passed, and we had all-day kindergarten until the recession of 2008. So I have you know, put my name on the line for all-day kindergarten and helped get it passed, and we had it for a while. Do you think that would be possible to bring back sort of in today's fiscal environment? I think it would be. Um, we had a lot of good luck with the all-day kindergarten. We had a lot of kids that entered first grade reading already as a result of full-day kindergarten. Since Uvalde, there's been an increase in the number of high-profile threats and lockdowns at Phoenix area schools. And so among the suggested solutions that I've heard have been more school police, more mental health resources for students, and also more lockdown drills. So I'm wondering how you'll support schools tackling this issue. Well, first, number one priority is school safety, because as a parent and as a career educator, I know there's nothing more important than our families having trust that when they send their kids to school, that their kids will be safe. There's there's nothing more 
uh, important than having that trust and ensuring the safety and well-being of our kids. Um, so just to put it in context, this is not a completely new issue to schools across the country. And so after Parkland a couple years ago, I launched the School Safety Task Force in the Department of Education, which included all kinds of stakeholders, in, including you know, school safety experts, included students, uh, people with mental health backgrounds, as, as well as with people with, with safety or police types of backgrounds to come together to come to provide our schools with a model school safety plan and also to make recommendations to our legislature. One of the recommendations that has yet to be funded is a, a tip line, a statewide school safety tip line. So I think that's one potential solution. Um, in traveling the state and having conversations with our school leaders on what they think the needs are for their schools, there's um, continues to be a need for school safety positions, including school counselors, social workers, and, and some schools choose also to have an officer on site. I do believe in trusting our local decision, the local community to make those types of decisions. And I'm proud that we've been able to work in a bipartisan way since 2019 to now uh, 2022. We've been able to expand our school safety grant program, which provides these types of positions from what was a $12 million program to now an $80 million program. So we've substantially increased the number of positions available to schools. And effectively, we've reduced this, the student to school counselor ratio by 20% in Arizona, which is really moving us in the right direction and ensuring that Arizona students have access to mental health supports in their schools. Another component that doesn't get talked about a lot is also suicide prevention training, because there is a, a correlation as well when we're thinking about school shootings and behavioral health needs it is also in providing suicide prevention training to all of our educators. And then the last thing I'll mention is uh, that these issues of mass shootings are, are not only happening in our schools. So we, you know, at, at this time, we, I have concerns about going to the grocery store, going to concerts. These shootings are not just happening in our schools. So I, I am also committed to continuing to work with our legislature and with Congress at, at the federal level on ensuring that, that we're thinking about gun safety legislation that's not only for our schools, but for the broader community to keep all Americans safe, no matter where we go. I've taken a very strong position on this issue. I have long advocated, starting from my first years as superintendent and then as attorney general as well, that there be a policeman in every school. Um, I, I lobbied for more money from the legislature to get more policemen. We call them school resource officers or SROs. They're beneficial not only for safety, but also because they're there all the time, they become friendly with the kids and then the kids learn to trust them rather than viewing them as pigs or enemies, which I think is very valuable for the kids' education. Um, when I lobbied, we couldn't get as much as we wanted uh, because of economic reasons. Um, but recently, before the legislature this past session, was a bill to double the money for school resource officers. And Kathy Hoffman sent out a tweet opposing it and giving us the reason that a prejudice does not stop at the schoolhouse door, which it was implying was that all police are prejudiced. And I think that's really defamatory of the police. The police are what make civilization possible. Um, the, the great philosopher Thomas Hobbes taught us that without effective police, life becomes a war of all against all, and life becomes poor, solitary, nasty, brutish, and short. And to, you know, there, there may be some prejudiced police, and I've, I've, I've sued some of them. 
But to say that all police are prejudiced, I think, is way off base. And if, because of that idea, we don't have a policeman in every school, as we don't now, and one of the schools without a policeman, a police is invaded, as happened at Uvalde, if it happened in Texas, it could happen in Arizona, uh, it'll be an unbelievable tragedy that could have been avoided if there was a policeman there to protect the people. And why are you the best choice for Arizona schools, superintendent? I've worked my entire career in public education. I started as a preschool teacher, then I worked in special education with students with disabilities as a speech language pathologist. And when I was elected in 2018, it was the first time in over 20 years that an educator has been elected to lead the Department of Education. And um, the past couple decades, have we've had career politicians, we've had uh, countless a- attacks, people in this position attacking our teachers, our schools. We have seen that with my opponent, Mr. Horn, that he has a history of attacking schools, including the Tucson Unified School District, for programs that they have implemented for the to serve their students, their local students. And so for me, this I decided to run for office as, as straight from the classroom as a first-time candidate running for state office because I saw when I worked in our schools the impact that policies from the state level were having on my students. I saw that Arizona was severely underfunding our schools, that we continue to have among the, the lowest average teacher pay in the country. I've seen the impact that has on our ability to recruit and retain talented teachers. I've seen that personally in the schools I've worked at. And our students deserve to have the resources that they need in our schools and no matter where they live in the state. And so as I've, over the past couple of years, as I've traveled the state, I've been working to, for the solutions that our schools need. That To me, this is not a political stepping stone. This is about working with our entire community, with families, with teachers, with the business community, with nonprofits to ensure that we have the wraparound supports and ensuring that we're also accelerating student learning as we're thinking about the recovery efforts from the pandemic. The reason I'm the best choice is because of my focus on academics, whereas I think my opponent, Kathy Hoffman, focuses on a lot of other things that distract from academics. And the best evidence I can offer of that is the test scores. When I left office after eight years as superintendent, over 60% of the students uh, were proficient in math and over 74% were proficient in reading. Under Kathy Hoffman, even before COVID, uh, those numbers were 43, 42% and 42%. Uh, after COVID, it got even worse and math numbers are down, I think, to 31 or 32%. But ignore that. I'm, COVID is not her fault. Before COVID, her numbers were 42% and 42%. And I, and I think that it reflects a failure of leadership, a failure to focus on academics. And um, as you may remember from the debate, I gave three things that I did that she has not done that I think are necessary to have high academics. The first is this Department of Education needs to be a service organization. Um, it needs to help schools as its first priority to do better academically. And uh, what I had were school improvement teams. They were, uh, they were highly successful educators, some of them National Board certified teachers, for example, and principals who would go out and help the schools improve. Kathy Hoffman has not had that. In fact, when I talk to people in the schools, they tell me that school improvement is now uh, what they call paperwork hell. They get these long questionnaires to answer. It comes back, the school improvement uh, bureaucrats 
mark things down and sends it back to them and goes back and forth. And by the time they qualify for the money, it's almost too late in the year to do anything useful with it. Um, and so that, that's a very different attitude toward how to help schools improve. Um, secondly, you need to hold the districts accountable for low test scores. Uh, when uh, under state law, if a district fails uh, to a certain extent, the, the state can take it over. And when, despite our help, the districts did poorly, uh, we, I would schedule a hearing to take them over. Once I scheduled a hearing that got their attention, the test scores came up. Um, but Kathy Hoffman doesn't do anything like that. And we have districts like Phoenix Union High School District with many failing schools, and she's not doing anything about it. Um, the third thing is that, uh, and in, in introduction to my third thing, I will point out that the smartest superintendent I ever knew from another state was from Ohio. And she taught me something important. She said there are three pillars to good education. Number one, the quality of teachers and teacher leaders. Number two, the quality of the curriculum. And number three, the motivation of the students. And people often forget about that. So uh, I, I did two important things to improve the motivation of the students. One was um, for those students at the lower end of the spectrum, they had to pass a test to graduate. And that stimulated them to study harder because they didn't want to obviously not graduate. And, and the test could be passed by any student who is not handicapped and who is willing to study. It's a sophomore level test. You, you get five, uh, five chances to pass it, one sophomore year, two, twice junior year, twice senior year. So we didn't have what was then predicted to be large numbers of students not getting their diplomas. What we had was motivation for the students to, hard, to study harder and pass the test. Um, so uh, under Kathy, well, after I left, that requirement was taken away. And so teachers would say to students, please do well in the test. I need you to do well, because the teachers were judged by it. And the students said, why should I? And they would leave early and not even try. At the other end of the spectrum for the high, high students, uh, I became concerned back in the 1990s when I was in the legislature that we were striving for proficiency and we weren't striving for excellence. And, you know, China's number one in the world in international tests. Our, uh, uh, the United States is number 25. If we're going to compete, we need to strive for excellence. So I authored a bill that passed the legislature that said if a student performed excellent on three tests, uh, they would get free tuition at the universities. Um, it, it, uh, the, my predecessor, well, we passed it, but it wasn't enforced. When I was elected superintendent, I served on the Board of Regents. I lobbied them to do it, and they did it. Uh, and it was over the opposition of the presidents of the universities. They wanted discretion over all scholarships. Uh, we were only 13% of their scholarships, but they wanted discretion over all of them. The problem with discretionary scholarships is they don't motivate anything because nobody knows what's expected. Here, everybody knew what was expected. The kids didn't want to have to pay tuition. I guarantee you their parents did not want to pay, have to pay tuition. And it motivated the kids who were capable of it to perform not just at proficiency, but at excellence. Under Kathy Hoffman, we have nothing like these efforts on my part to increase the motivation of the students. That wraps up this bonus episode of the Gaggle's 2022 midterm Q&As. Thanks again to Yana Kunichoff for conducting the interviews. You can follow her work online at azcentral.com and on Twitter at Yana Zur. That's Y-A-N-A-Z-U-R-E. And you can follow me at Kaylee Monahan. 
That's K-A-E-L-Y-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. Keep up to date with all of our episodes by subscribing to The Gaggle wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for more candidate Q&As.